Greetings, fellow investigators, and welcome back to our video podcast, Into the Darkness, where my friends and I play the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. I'm your host, Tom Rayleigh. The campaign is Horror on the Orient Express. It's available from Chaosium. I'm this Keeper of the Secrets, and this is episode 19. Our recap will be given by Keith Craig as his character, Gunter Block. So, without any further delays, let's continue our journey into the darkness. Keith? Hmm. From the Journal of Gunter Block, 15 January, 1923. I consider myself one of the greatest stage magicians alive. However, I am disturbed by seeing what true magic is capable of doing. After being choked from a distance by a purveyor of true magic, I'm wondering if my dedication to a craft that is nothing but misdirection and sleight of hand is a waste of time when I could have been pursuing real magic. After tricking the Duke with a false scroll, we decided to read the translation of the scroll to find out what he found so valuable about it. The scroll was written by Sedefkar the Osman, Osman Lee in the 12th century, apparently as one of five scrolls, this one being the scroll of the head, which concerns the thoughts and histories of the Sedefkar. The other scrolls, uh, the scroll of the belly, the scroll of the legs, the scroll of the right hand, and the scroll of the left hand, concern the worship of the skinless one, body affecting magic, how to, awaken, how to awaken the statue, and how to balance the power through, I shudder to think, sacrifice. The head scroll was nothing but a stream of consci consciousness describing torture and skinning of humans. It is an insane document to read. We were all quite shaken by the revelations in the scroll and were determined to keep it out of the hands of the Duke. However, we feared to destroy it as we might need it in a later date as we do not have a true understanding of this magic. Dr. York suggested hiding the journal on Mimi, the dream train that we had, where we had encountered Henri in the dreamlands. We decided to attempt this as Mimi would often give us what we needed, as well as compartments to place our possessions. We soon found ourselves in the bar of the dream train once again, just as our real train was entering the long tunnel through the Alps. Henry informed us that we could try to store the scroll here, but he could not guarantee that it was safe. But it could, I guess it could, couldn't be any more in more danger than if it was in the real world. While, while waiting at the bar, he reintroduced us to Maranmir, the, the strange alien creature with the glowing eyes. He had this uh, most amazing wine that we all sampled. It would take you back to a happier time. I wish that he, this wasn't his last bottle. He told us that he is uh, stranded here and that he can't, fi can't fi contact his home to get, get back. Other, the other passengers were also here. There was the angry, uh, angry woman that seems to be mad at all men. She was chatting with the dancer. The businessman was playing chess with the Russian. Even though the Russian was winning at chess, he became quite upset and stormed out of the room. I took this opportunity to begin a conversation with the businessman and found out that he was an attache who feels he is being consumed by his work. When I explained that I was an entertainer, he called over the dancer who is apparently suffering from self-doubt about her ability to succeed in her art. I tried to comfort her about her doubts, but I don't know how well I succeeded. But they made me think about my own issues and guilt that I feel over, feel over the death of my father. If only I had, I had not delayed, he would not have been, been on the street. 
and he would not have been mugged and killed. Perhaps I will work on my vert to try and overcome my feelings of guilt. While I was uh, pondering the, these thoughts, Dr. Curse found a bean of ib shoved, shoved into a gap of the train's ceiling. He, helped, he, he very helpfully helped the creature get down, and the creature revealed that the Sarnathians had attacked him and shoved him up into, into the ceiling. Apparently, the Ibians and Sarnathians are being summoned by, by the king to settle their differences. However, it doesn't seem that all are playing on a uh, up-and-up field, as the Sarnathians attempted to recruit Dr. York to be their emissary, but he ki tried to kindly refuse their offer. After he was leaving, he said that he heard them discussing just assassinating the Ibians, as if they don't show up to the king's court, then the king would no doubt rule in their favor. As we approached Tsar, Henry warned us not to go into the city as no one has ever left it as they will continuously pursue an unachievable goal and try and achieve their dreams, which seems wonderful, but he says that is quite awful. This was confirmed when we, uh, when we stopped. We were able to go out onto the, the landing area and look at, at the beautiful but dangerous city. As we stood there, a man approached us from the city. He was ranting and raving and talking about that we couldn't believe the things they'd seen. He was, uh, he'd obviously lost his mind. It took three of us to restrain him so he, could, he didn't hurt, hurt himself or others. As Mimi leaves Zar to head for Afarat, I reflect that the strange incidents with the Sarnathians and the city of Zar has disturbed me. They shattered my peaceful impression that I, I had of the streamlands. I hope it's not as bad as the other one we had visited. All right, so you remain on the train in the dreamlands. Um, what would you all like to do? Uh, was Mimi able to provide some uh, substance that would calm the wild man down? Not really, but um, uh, Henry explains that she is able to restrain him so that he can't harm himself. He seems to have mostly have um, self-inflicted wounds. Yeah. Um, Perhaps now that he has escaped that city, he will be able to recover on his own if he is possibly. further injured. Yeah. And also, um, perhaps there are experts who can help in uh, one of the big cities. Mm. Mm. Yeah, Koranos <coughs> will know if there is anyone, I assume. And ultimately, Koranos is part of this journey. How far until the next city? How many hours? Well, the uh, next city is Aforad. It's still about five hours away from where we are now. Is the wild man calmed down at all? Is he unconscious? Is there anything where he's in a, in a peaceful state? I wouldn't say peaceful. I'd okay. say uh, he might be catatonic for one moment and then lashing out and screaming in the next. So it's probably very difficult to actually uh, render aid and try and treat any of those self-inflicted wounds because he's still thrashing about and fighting back then, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. I wonder also if, uh, and I guess I'll ask Henri, uh, Henri, given that this uh, dream world has uh, the logic of the 
unconscious mind, is it possible this man can restore his eyes as they are only dream torn out? Or are those sorts of things irreparable? We don't really know, Monsieur, what the circumstances are. Um, obviously, I'm not able to restore my good looks. Hmm. Why charm? So, I, I don't know. Perhaps it's, it's nice that you feel that you'd like to do something for him. Um, well, doc, Dr. York, if, if I assisted in, in helping keep him down, uh, if there's any wounds he has that look dangerous, like he need to be treated immediately, maybe we could. We could yeah, does, do his wounds look superficial or does he look like he's mostly superficial? Most and of most of them are most of them are old I, scars I, and things like that. I wouldn't I, suggest it either way because of how volatile the man is, especially with his mentality. Yeah, obviously, obviously, in his mental state, he's both trying to to seek help, which is what he was doing, and at the same time, anytime you get near him, he attacks. Not in his right mind. I will just monitor and it gives me a little case study for my other side project. So I will monitor him and Mm. try and calm him down when possible. Henry, have have you ever heard of anyone coming out of that dread city before? Not that I can remember. Uh, we've always stopped there just in case. It's a, one of the deals we had to make, you know, as we nice. built our our uh, our route. Oh, who did you make the deal with? It would be very difficult to explain that to you, but you notice that we dropped off goods and we picked up things. There are inhabitants there, but... They defy, they defy common uh, words to describe um, phantoms, mm-hmm. things. It was in the, on the route, so there wasn't any way we could avoid it. Uh, hopefully, Afarat is a uh, much more pleasant city. No. Afarat has its own problems. Um, Let's see, he explains uh, uh, there's a lot of lovely architecture. It's built mostly of limestone. Um, uh, and there are, there are, yeah, there are, you know, some municipal buildings. And it's a trade city like a lot of cities. So we have five hours before Mimi makes it to its next, uh, her next. Pretty, pretty much, yeah. Uh, I forget. Does Mimi have a library? Is there? Oh, any- uh, you 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 have at your disposal any book that okay. you have ever read? Well, oh, that we ever read. <laughs> I would. I think I will spend my time uh, relaxing with tea in my cabin and try and do some reading and possibly catch some sleep. Okay. Um, I suppose to, to thoroughly answer that question, I suppose if there's somebody in the room with you, you might be able to read something that they've read. 
mm-hmm. you know. Um, okay, so you know, we'll say that you're you're heading towards. We'll we'll say we're in that lounge. You're heading towards your room. You also have you succeeded in creating anything with your vert yet? No, no. You can you can try and roll for that when you get to your room. All right. Um, uh, Doctor Dorian, what are you going to do? Oh, you uh, saw, you said. Yes, I'm monitoring the man and any changes. So, going to try to calm him down when possible. Try to talk to him. Just get, I probably won't get much out of him, but just try and make a rapport. He's quite frightening. Um, occasionally, he'll babble about things that don't make any sense at all. And then he'll look bright and cheery. Uh, which is really scary because he has no eyes and he has sharp teeth. And and then all of a sudden he'll just lash out and start screaming for no apparent reason. Like mid sentence. He's quite, he's quite damaged. I'm terrified, but making notes and trying to. Thursby, what are you up to? Hmm. Let's see. I like the idea of sticking around the uh, this poor troubled person just in case there's anything we can glean from him. And I wouldn't want Dorian by himself nearby, just in case he breaks free. I'll, uh, if you don't mind, Dorian, I'll have uh, some tea or coffee and then maybe a game of chess nearby. Well, the, the place where the madman is being kept is more or less like a padded cell. Oh, oh okay. Uh, inside of Mimi. Hmm. Can, we can just bring a game of chess here. Yeah, well, I'll just I'll just have um, Mimi bring a uh, bring okay. some nice appetizers and. Uh, do you want? Do you want to actually sit just outside the cell, or do you want to sit in the um, the observation platform above? You know where the where the entrance to it is uh, as the closer area yeah, to the, the closest. Okay. So right area. outside. So maybe yeah. we'll kind of form a little kind of antechamber where the two yeah. of you can sit and play chess. Yeah. Okay. And just sort of be there. If he calls out to us just so we can be. And every so often we'll, I would take breaks to try and gleam something more out okay. of him, even the, though I don't think I will. Dr. Gabriel, where are you going to be? Um, I want to be keeping an eye on either the Sarnathians or the Ibians. Okay, they're not near each other, right? So the uh, the Ibians are in there. They're also in a like fairly close to where the Madman is, but in a different chamber. Um, the Sarnathians have their own suites of rooms. Yeah, I think I think I'll have Mimi bring a chair on the observation platform so I can watch where the Ibians are okay. to make sure the Sarnathians don't try anything. And then in the meantime, I will continue to work on my vert. I'll have my vert with me. Okay. Gunter? Watch the Dreamlands go by. Uh, Gunter's going to be sitting at the bar. He's going to have like a uh, poker chip that he's kind of rolling through his uh, hands, practicing his his sleight of hand. And he's going to be contemplating, uh, wondering 
wondering where he could find a book that he could actually learn some real spells from. Okay. And uh, Roland. Yes, I, uh, uh, I also think that um, the best, uh, we have alerted Henri that the Sarnathians mean the Ibians no good, but because they have already been able to uh, torment the Ibians somewhat, uh, I think that it's, uh, that Hanaruda has the right idea. And so uh, it's interesting to watch the dreamlands uh, go by. So from the observation deck, we can make sure that there's no skulldagari and, and work on the vert. Okay. So um, Henry has, uh, has him set up some pretty little tables out there on the observation platform where you guys can sit. And uh, he sets up a little room down below for, uh, for Dorian and uh, Theodore. Um, and you sit there. Why don't you guys do your vert rolls? This is Dreamcraft, not Dream Lore, yes? Uh, yeah, Dream, yeah, Dreamcraft. Not yet. No. <laughs> okay. Um, but you can, if you fail, go ahead and roll a 1d10 and add it to the, uh, the score. You're going to get better and better at it as you go. It's five more. Very nice. Two more Dreamcraft for me. I'm, I, you are welcome to any of the books in the library in my compartment, but it's all org inorganic chemistry. I think you would only fall into a deeper sleep. Mm -hmm. So, Dr. Edison, um, as you, you've returned to your chamber, you've chosen a book that uh, you're familiar with, but it makes you feel very comfortable to read. It's, it's a pleasure. You figure you're going to sit there or on your bed and maybe just, you know, doze off. I'd like you to do a listen roll as you're doing this. Ooh. Successful. Okay. So as you're sitting there, you think for a moment you hear something very strange, like tapping. Um, at first, you don't know where it's coming from. Uh, it, it almost sounds like somebody knocking on a door. Um, but it seems to be sort of coming from around you or up above. It's a sound you haven't heard on the train and it it lasts only maybe 20 seconds and then it seems to stop and you don't hear it again okay it and i would think that even after it so 20 seconds can feel like a really long time so you know after the like the first five or six consecutive seconds of the tapping i probably would have closed the book slipped off the bed and kind of started walking around looking and would have gone things like, hello, hello. And maybe yeah. even approached my door to open it and probably would have opened it after it had stopped. Okay. Um, 
no, there's no answer. There's no response. And um, when you open up your door, there's nobody out there. There's nobody in the hallway. You, you do sort of, by the time you've sort of thought about it and analyzed it, it, it almost sounded as if something were moving around outside the train. But that's, that's almost ridiculous. Um, our windows, can they open? Oh, yeah. In fact, okay. most of your windows are just little archways cut in the side with. Oh, OK. You know, they're, right. they're, they're fitted with windows, but uh, the air is nice. The, pl- the, the temperature is pleasant. And... So um, yeah, that is interesting, you know, kind of, you know, with my imagination kind of pulling me in that direction. Um, I want to open the window and just kind of, you know, lean out looking at the countryside at first mm-hmm. and then start looking at uh fore and aft the length of the train of mimi this you know biological train and and then and then trying to like track and and maybe see if i can see anything unusual given that the i'm on a living train which is already unusual, but something even maybe more unusual. I, I wouldn't expect anybody or anything to be moving around, you know, and we've seen when we're in station, the, the tentacles that are doing the, uh, the cargo stuff. Um, are there any tentacle actions going on while we're in motion? You don't see anything like that. Now, now what you see when you look out of the windows at this level when you're on the platform looking up, the the beasts look like they're maybe 20, 25 feet high. When you're actually in your room and you're looking out the window, it's really hard to tell how big the creatures are. They seem gigantic. Um, and down below you, there are tentacles moving. Um, you can hear the thunder of the the feet, which are like, you know, rhinoceros feet moving on the ground. Um, there's odd little tubules coming out of the side of the creature that seem to produce steam, just like a steam train as it goes along. But everything from your level upward, there are these huge pavilions, and they're all carved out of wood, and they're all intricate, and there's you know sort of Moroccan designs all over them, and they have domes on domes, and they're palaces up on top of these creatures. Um, it's breathtaking. So when you look at it, you realize there are a thousand little handy holds. You know, um, in fact, it wouldn't be difficult for you to climb out of your window and up <laughs> onto the roof. I'm not suggesting that, but um, it there's a lot of little. You know, it's the way it's carved. There's a lot of little handy holds that you have, but you don't see anything. Huh. Uh, are there open windows up above? Mm-mm. But there are little occasionally little stained glass windows and things like that that you can see that's and part of what about of what wall. about any uh like balconies, any any open exposed balconies? There's no balconies, though if you look towards the front of the train, you can see where the observation platform is, especially when the train is turning. <laughs> Um, in fact, you might be able to glance your friends sitting on tables. It looks a long way away, but it's definitely over there. 
<laughs> so the trail looks much longer than it seems when you're on the ground. You know who would probably appreciate this? I think Teddy would appreciate this. This is, I wonder if he's seen this outside of his window. The, hmm. I'm going to, I think I'm going to go and try and find Teddy and, and uh, show him this. Okay. So as you leave your compartment and you're starting to work towards the observation platform, um, Karakoff suddenly appears ahead of you and he seems highly agitated once again. And uh, he is making his way rather forcefully towards where his cabin is. Um, do a spot hidden. Oh, negative. Okay. Uh, so he, he, sees he sees you and he doesn't see you he doesn't say hello he seems to be in that sort of mood that he's been in the past and uh he just goes past you quickly in kind of a kind of a panic uh but not overly so i mean it's not not something that would be of immediate concern as he goes um you hear him go you hear him slam the door of his compartment um uh, you pass into the lounge. Uh, now, who is in the lounge at this point? Anybody? Uh, Gunter was still in the lounge at the bar. Yep. So, Gunter, as you've been sitting there, um, Madame uh, Bonneval and Zusha have been over by the fire chit-chatting. And you see, you, you can hear that um, Madame Bonneval has kind of opened up to Zusha, she seems to like her. Um, go ahead and do a listen for him. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So all you get from the conversation is Zusha asks her about the little heart-shaped uh purse or whatever you call it that right. she's carrying and at first she seemed a little defensive um but you hear her lean forward and say it has to do with my daughter you see i lost my daughter a long time ago um to a very evil man and that's about all you get from the conversation but they seem to have their conversation as they're going. Right. And about this time, Dr. Edison comes in. Oh, I should also mention that um, once again, uh, McKenzie and, uh, and Karakov were, were trying to pull together some sort of a card game, maybe. Mm -hmm. And Karakov became agitated and leaped up. Um, do a spot hidden. Oh, come on, Dave. Uh, I'll spend the one to, to succeed okay. at that, just so I can succeed. <laughs> well, even even at that, you're not quite sure you saw anything, but you think you might have seen the flash of metal, like a knife, mm. like maybe one of the dinner knives. Um, Karakov had a, a handkerchief in his hand, and he suddenly got up without saying anything to... Um, Mac 
and headed towards his cabin. And Mac once again sort of looks over at you and he's like, Yeah, I kind of shake my head and go, Hey, that man's on a short fuse. Right. And then Dr. Edison comes, uh, comes in a few moments later. Um, Gunther's the only one in the lounge right now. Well, uh, Madame Bruja and uh, one of our of our of our sure. crew. Right. Correct. Okay. Gunther. Gunther. Ah. Oh, how goes it this evening? Good. Your uh, your Russian friend just uh, stormed out once again. Yeah, I saw that. He seems to be in a in another one of his states. So I I think that might be pretty common for him. So uh, yes. Um. For uh, humor me here, Dr. York, I'm going to uh, say something a little louder for all the patrons to hear. And then I kind of raise my voice, not, not to where you're yelling, but I want to make sure that the two ladies hear me and go, I think that the Duke might have been that, that Frenchman that we read about that lived in uh, Constantinople, the, you know, the evil Frenchman that, that remember from the story? Yes, yes, I think you might be right. You, you're on to something there, I think. Yes, I, I wonder if he's been up and bothering other people. I'm kind of... Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Do an intelligence roll. You can both do intelligence rolls. Oh, yes. Uh, that is a hard... I have regressed to childhood. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, Gunter, you notice quite, quite clearly that both of them uh, completely ignore anything that you're saying. They're, they're deep in conversation. So you're, you're not, none of your words penetrate their, uh, oh God. their consciousness. So they probably don't know what the hell you're talking about. That's, that's um, for info too. <laughs> Dorian and Theodore, you are down with the madman and um you're, you find yourself hoping that a moment will present itself where you might be able to do something. Um, all of it, the, the entire situation is completely unpredictable. I mean, he will have a moment when it looks like he's listening, and then he just suddenly is. Uh, he'll leap forward towards the door where you are, and Mimi will gently grab a hold of him and pull him back so that he doesn't injure himself. Um, at which point he'll start screaming and kicking and, and everything else. So it's quite a bad situation. What do you guys want to do? Should we, uh, should we try? I, yeah, Fyodor, I, I want to try to calm him down, but the problem... He's in such a state, and the, the conditions, I have not a clue what conditions he has been up against, so I can't even uh, compare to other cases that I have seen from my father and some that I have taken in my own studies. Do you have any psychoanalysis? I do, yes. Oh, yeah, and I can add to that my 1%. <laughs> I have a little bit of uh, uh, I'm an archaeologist with a, with a minor in uh, alien, I'm an alienist as well oh cool 
I'm pretty good with psychology and I'm also really good at dealing with injured animals and how, and, uh, uh, well, psychology, psychology roles will tell you maybe what he's suffering from psychoanalysis. If you want to try to help him in some way, that is what I am trying. I just want to, because there's always a gap with people who are suffering with stuff mentally. There's always a gap that you can get through, and that's what I am trying to get into. Mm-hmm. So I will try psychoanalysis. I have 36 in psychoanalysis. So I can't be. Uh, not when you do the triple zeros. You can't oh, yeah. Oh, not <laughs> Starting that up again. So, um, so you have a dangerous moment. Um. You, you, you sort of look through into the room. We'll say there's, I don't know, bars. There's Mimi bars. Um, and uh, you'll start ta- you start talking in a sort of sweet tones to him, and he seems to calm down. This takes a few minutes, you know. And you start to explain to him that this is still a dream state and that he needs to wake up so that he can be treated in the real world. And he starts listening to you and he starts looking hopeful and starts moving towards the bars. And you make the mistake of having your fingers like where the bars are. And as soon as he gets close enough, he leaps forward with his fingernails and latches onto your fingers. And it's just for a moment, but it's enough that it, it scrapes the skin off of your thing. You'll take one point, one hit point of damage. And it scares you because he screams at you, you know. I, I uh, leap immediately in and try to intervene and uh, give. Uh, well, I mean, you're, you're, you're both out. You're outside the cell, but this happened because he got too close to the bars. The doors. Yeah. It's not you probably grab you grab a hold of Dorian and pull him back. It's not fun, but this man is uh, try. I'll try to keep it together and keep it myself together. If this was cool, I'd make it keep it together, but um, it's not. So he, he's trying to keep calm, collected. He's in pain. All uh, it really tells you with your knowledge is that it's going to take a lot of work. Yeah, we can and, crack. Probably drugs. <laughs> we have we we have the time. We don't have the drugs that we could use. I also don't have any. As I said before, I don't know about the conditions he was in. I don't know, so it's hard to actually exactly. make any qualm. But we can. All I can do is keep trying and trying and trying and trying. Exactly. Keep trying. In any case, at this point, you're bleeding. Oh, and I, I, it's I, I, probably Mimi. Advantage. So I called to Mimi for bandages to help wrap up and and antiseptic or whatever. <laughs> just okay. To... All right. So she provides you with some stuff. All right, uh, Gabriel and uh, Roland, uh, you guys are up above. Um, are you? You guys are also sitting and sipping coffee and watching the. Yeah, I'm having a little cup of cassis and uh, closing my eyes and thinking the word. And uh, yeah, and nearby is the, is the is the is it? I guess it's a a disc, a manhole to the Ibian 
Yeah, there's there's four of them of different colors. The ground is kind of a mosaic, a very pretty mosaic, and there's four different colored circles, and they're in two of them. Um, uh, you think you hear a yelp come from down where you saw Theodore and Dorian go. Sounded like Dorian. Mm. And occasionally you can hear yelling, which you think is the madman. It's not very loud. It's muffled. But it sounds like uh, stuff is going on down there. Neruda, you have uh, the poetical sort of sensibility. When this uh, man says that Everything he wished for became real. Is that what he said? Everything he could dream? Everything he ever dreamed of came true, is what he said. And it broke him so thoroughly. What do you, how do you understand this? Well, have you, have you read any of Dante's Divine Comedy? No, I uh, tend to, the more substantive, physical sort of reading as a rule. Well, you have Dante's Divine Comedy is framed as a dream. Yeah. Dante finds himself lost in a dark woods and eventually is led through hell itself. And there are plenty of horrifying images throughout Inferno and somewhat into Purgatory. Because what I'm getting at is the human psyche harbor all manner of terrible, terrible things. If this yeah. man had any sort of religious upbringing, of any sort of discussions of hell or an afterlife or of demons, devils, evil spirits, any twisted thought he's ever had, the whatever these dreams are, nightmarish or pleasant, all of them coming true, I have a feeling that the darker side of things would take quite a quite a toll on the conscious mind witnessing them all witnessing all the stark dreams manifest into reality you know, also in this realm time is very different so I have had dreams that felt like they went on for weeks or months if I was in a dream that was constantly shifting and it went on for who knows how many years. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems to have broken him. And yet, he seems to be the first one to escape. I wonder almost if he didn't make that city himself as some sort of torture device, that he is the one who can solve the puzzle because he ordered it. I wonder um, if, he he's the one, if, he's, if he's the one who created the city, he's been there for an awfully long time. I get the impression that that city, I mean, has been around for long enough to have entered into the folklore of this place. Gunter and Dr. York, are you going out onto the platform? Sure. Yeah. Okay. So a couple things happen almost simultaneously. As Dr. York and Dr. and, and, and Gunter are coming through the archway, um, Dr. Neruda and uh, Roland, you hear a noise behind you. Um, it's kind of a weird organic sloughing sort of sound. And as you look kind of back, you notice that the green door on the floor 
uh, has uh, sort of peeled back, opened itself up. And uh, two of the Ibians are coming out onto the platform. Um, uh, Roland, do, um, do a spot hidden wall. Oh, and uh, 16. So uh, hard, not quite extreme. Okay, that's that's good. Um, uh, what I wanted to say is the Ibians have kind of, uh, you know, they're a very strange-looking race. Um, uh, at first glance, they might all appear just, you know, more or less the same. Um, then at a second glance, you might notice they have some height differences or weight differences. Um, but with that pass, you've noticed little things about the sort of, you know, primitive costume that they're wearing. Um, you're pretty sure the first one that came up is the one that you rescued. And the one that he's with looks to be a little more important, you think? Mm -hmm. And that one has the little golden frog in his hand. And you see, um, you see the first one sort of uh, look around and he sees you and he points at you. And then the two of them start moving over towards you. Um, and after a couple of seconds, the the waft of the smell, which now kind of smells more like a stinky cheese, but... You know. Nonetheless, I'm going to uh, request from Mimi a, a little bottle of peppermint oil. I find just a, a small rub of little. peppermint oil on the, on the nostril makes everything else it's go away. So, Dr. Edison and Blah and I and, and Gunter, you notice this too that they are moving over towards where the others are, and you can smell the the sort of aroma uh, mm -hmm. in the air. Ori, can you help us translate, please? Um, uh, uh, never fear, Ori is here. Um, uh, he has a he has a squeaker. You should be able to understand him. Oh, well, good. They come forward, and um, the one with the, the squeaker in his hand, um, he holds the squeaker forward, and uh, it says in a high-pitched, screechy sort of voice, uh, you are the one that rescued me. We would like to ask your assistance. Oh, yeah, what can I do for you? There is a summons we have received from King Kuranis to present our negotiations. We would like your assistance in presenting them. Ah, it almost would put me in a conflict with my friend, uh, Mr. York, but he refused uh, on the Sanathian side. Uh, are you sure that uh, the king would not find your own uh, personal uh, self-representation more compelling? I don't. I know nothing of the history, etc. We are aware that most of the creatures like yourselves. Do not find us appealing. 
we are afraid that will prejudice them against us. We would like somebody more appealing to their nature to present our requests. Well, I might recommend the, in the, uh, uh, the lounge area, there's a young dancer. I think very many of my kind fight, would find her very compelling. Have you? She did not help us. You helped us. You are a good person. Uh, uh, I, I also am not entirely in control of uh, my travel on the train, so I would not wish to uh, promise anything. Uh, in which, at which stop are you meeting Coronis? Uh, Sonanil, I believe. They look really quick. Or rather, um, King Koranis will be getting on the train and traveling to Sonanil. And while he is here with us, there will be a presentation to make. These Sarnathians have wronged us for too long. It is time that we have reparations. Yeah, well, uh, I, uh, should I be aboard the train when Koranus uh, appears to have this hearing? I will, uh, it will be my honor to assist you in any way I can. Then we would like to explain everything to you at your convenience. Yeah, this would be helpful. Um, do you mind having a larger audience? We do not mind, as long as there are no Sanathians. I think they are probably busy having um, uh, some sort of uh, reality experience amongst themselves. They are liars and cheaters who killed and, and slain uh, women and children of our species. They speared them on long spears and pushed them into the sea. Mm. Uh, yeah, very well. Uh, I, uh, Mimi, I could have perhaps a notebook so that I might... Uh... One is produced without yeah. you even noticing where it came from. Hello. Yeah, so the history, if you can. And um, what is the code of honor regarding... Uh, speech acts among your people? Is it, is it a sin to your God to, to tell lies or do you have a God? We do not understand lies. We understand that others can do this. Our speech is transmitted thought to the squeaker. The squeaker tells what we think. We cannot lie to the squeaker. I will initially at least take, uh, of course, your word for it. So please, the history. So without wearing my voice out, um, <laughs> the, uh, the Ibians explain that a thousand years ago, their people descended from the stars and they settled on the, it sounds very mythical, they settled uh, on the edge of a lake called Menar. 
and uh, they built a civilization there. Um, at some point, the Sarnathians uh, came into the area and established their own city on the opposite end of the lake. Um, at first, there was trade between the two peoples, but the Sarnathians became increasingly uh, violent towards them. And finally, on one night, their entire army came and pretty much wiped out the uh, the Ibians. They uh, forced them into the sea and drowned them. They uh, They claim that... There's a problem with time, okay? And the problem is, it's been a thousand years, more or less, for the Sarnathians. It's really only been like a few days for the Ibians. It just, it seems to them as if it's just happened to them. And um, a number of things were... A thing, a number of things happened. To them. One is their 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 cities, their structures that they had built were destroyed, and their one religious object, their golden idol of Bokrug, the water lizard, was absconded by the uh, Sarnathians and taken back to their city. So, what they are looking for, in terms of reparation. Is they would like one, th they would like 10,000 rubies and 10,000 sapphires so that they can pay to have their city rebuilt. Uh, they want a personal apology from the king of the Sarnathians. Uh, they want a non aggression treaty signed by the Sarnathians. And they want their golden statue of Bokrug returned to them. Um, or the consequence will be doom to the Sarnathians. And they say that rather, well, it still sounds like this, doom, doom, doom. <laughs> if they agree to those things, then we will no longer seek any kind of retaliation against them. And uh, the the threat that you pose to them, the doom that you offer, how would this be accomplished? We will destroy them from the face of the world. But uh, initially they defeated you so handily. What is the force that you have that permits this? The power of our God. The god of the idol that they stole from you? Bokrug, yes. Oh. He will levy destruction upon them for their blasphemies. Sounds very much uh, like what happened to the Temple of Dagon after they stole the Ark of the Covenant in our religious traditions in the waking world. They have no reaction to Dagon, yeah. <laughs> although I was very tempted to. <laughs> Not Dagon! <laughs> uh, yeah, or well, uh, I, um, I, I, uh, I thank you again for the uh, compliment you pay me with this request. Uh, 
I shall study this material, and uh, yeah, if uh, if uh, the king arrives, uh, yes, I will explain to him. Perhaps he knows Bokrog himself and uh, can verify the veracity of the threat implied. Thank you for your assistance. We do not know how we can repay you. Uh, perhaps there will be an opportunity. Who can say? And with that, they returned here. Uh, I, I want to say that for Dorian and Theodore, it's become almost unbearable down there with uh, the close quarters, the, the noise, the uh, foaming at the mouth. Yeah, if there's, an, if there's no, not even a slim chance of getting information or helping him, then I don't know, Dorian. Uh, Certainly doesn't seem so. Yeah, this might be a fool's errand here. Not without months, maybe years of work. Yeah. I feel, I want to, I feel like we do need to abandon for now, but I will make sure while we are here, I will check on him every day in quotation marks. Yeah. These are lovely appetizers that Mimi provided though, while we were staying here. These stuffed mushrooms and glazed figs are delicious. Thank you, Mimi. Yes, thank you, Mimi. And so we'll say then that you return to the surface just about the time these negotiations are finished or these, these discussions are finished. And you guys are all standing there. Dr. Edison and, and Gunter, you, of course, overheard the entire conversation. Hmm. Roland, what are you getting yourself into? It's a dream. Uh, also, apparently, Neruda and I have, are studying for the dream bar. <laughs> That's right. I think. I think we. Have, I mean, we already have one successful trial case under our belt, so it's yeah. uh, pretty impressive. I think for any lawyer. Yeah, given that studied any law. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> given that we never understand anything of the circumstance we're in. I will also see if I can, if, I wonder if there's a written history of dreamlands anywhere and I can verify what these Ibians say. Um, Henri is there. He's, he's like, I, I don't know if there is a written there. There may be in uh, the great library, but nobody knows exactly how to reach the great library. Uh, mm -hmm. Um, you know, perhaps Coranos does, or perhaps he knows already this. Perhaps, history. perhaps. Um, In your experience, is Coranos a, a just or wise ruler? Coranos is a very good, very just man. Um, he rules from Sonanil and from uh, Salafeus, alternative both cities. Um, hmm. If my friends, you could somehow resolve this situation before we get to him. I'm sure he would be pleased. He's only called this out of frustration um, because these two have been apparently at war for a thousand years. Yes. Uh, Given, we, at least from the Sarnathian point of view. Did we uh, know what the Sarnathians were wanting from the Ibians? I think the Sarnathians mm. want the Ibians all dead. Mm. Yeah, there was I they did explain there was something I don't recall. Uh, but I, I think it's a mistake for us to get in in the middle of this uh quarrel it has nothing to do with us. 
or our, our ultimate goal. It is not a mistake. Everything happens for a reason, Dr. York. I believe that this is just another stepping stone in our journey and it might help us in the long run learn more about this world, which will then help us further down the track. It didn't take you for a quite, for lack of a better word, it's spiritual mind view from you, Dorian. No, well, me that way. <laughs> I uh, I try to be more open-minded, especially after my incident with the man down there. I want to learn more about this world so I can help that man. That is more why I am being more open-minded to this situation. I'd, I'd like to help that disturbed man, too. I think with this political uh, situation going on, though, it is tricky to get involved. We don't really know the history. We're, we're just getting the Ithians or the Ibians perspective and then the Sanathians uh, perspective. We, we don't really know the histories. These, are, these could just both be propaganda campaigns we're here. How much, uh, how much uh, philosophy have you read, Theodore? Not particularly lots. Well, there were, but, if you look back to the Greek philosophers, they thought that an argumentative style where two people present their point of view is a, a good way of, get, of approaching the truth. So we, but, have, we have both of their points of view. And I must say the Ibians have been far nicer and more hospitable. Whereas I guess as opposed to the Sarnathians, who would seem to be a truth will always show its face. I, I agree. The 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 Ibians do seem nicer, but uh, just because someone's polite and maybe spins a good tale or somebody's rude and is rather crass does not mean the rude and crass person is in the wrong and then the the nicely packaged person with their nicely spun tale. Right, but I don't I, I don't believe the Sarnathians have, have tried to hide their aggression for just the means of hatred. Theodore and, and, and Gabriel uh, do intelligence rules. Wow, 34 20. is a pass. And a 22 is a is a is a, a hard pass. Okay. Um, Dr. Yorga told you that he pretty much flat out didn't want to work with the Sarnathians. So they didn't really reveal anything, but but his impression of the Sarnathians was these were a bunch of kids that were sent on this mission because nobody in Sarnath gives a shit. Mm-hmm. they're not qualified to do any kind of negotiation. So that's why they were trying to get his help because, and they don't really care. Right. It's, it's the Ibians that are dragged. They're like, they feel like they're being dragged here by the Ibians. Right. But they also don't know. They, they probably also have a side to the story, which you can expect will be the, Spoiled brat side of the story. About this time, Zusha also comes out. Uh, she seems to be light on her feet, uh, sort of doing a little dance. She's got a cup of coffee in her hands. Obviously, um, she's no longer with Madame Bruja. Okay. I mean, Madame Bonaval. And uh, 
Uh, she comes out and she sees you, but she sees you're talking, so she doesn't interrupt. She just no, doesn't look out. I'll actually I'll wave her over. And she comes over. By now, she probably knows you all by name. Mm-hmm. Oh, having a little chat? Uh, yes. Uh, so, a question for you. You seem to be more familiar with the dreamlands than any of us. Um, From a certain perspective, maybe. Well, have you ever been to Sarnaf? No. No. Have you had that's, any... that's the the richy rich people that are on the sh- on the train. Yeah, I was just wondering if anybody who has encountered them before could give us a little more insight. I'm I'm not sure that they would think that I'm important enough to have any kind of conversation with me. So far, they've said nothing. They don't even say good morning mm-hmm. when you pass them. Yeah. Yes, I think that they, uh, the central justification they find for pastoring the Ibians is that the Ibians are small and squat and sticky and they are long and lithe and lovely and that is their only point of esteem. So they think they value. Yes, the Sarnathians value appearance and beauty more than intelligence and wisdom yeah so the question i also have is whether or not there in this dream world there is any what the structure of deity is is it possible this bulkrug creature can inflict any damage to the sunathians or is he uh, as mystical a god as any thor or ra She shrugs. Hmm. <laughs> she says, I have okay. no idea. Can I roll dream lore? Sure. Let's see if I heard anything. Uh, no, 84. Okay. That's, that's actually a very good. The dream lore, would dream lore pertain to having a knowledge of the, of the Ibians and the Sarnathian uh, in this case, you're getting that as you're going along. So oh. you, you, you can't magically have knowledge in your head that wasn't there before. Yeah. Okay. Um, the only, uh, even with your failure, the only names that you've heard solidly spoken were um, Nodens. And you think maybe he said Hypnos, the god of sleep. Mm. And that's from Henry. So obviously Henry has a magical train in the dreamlands. So he did have to appeal to certain gods. Entities. Entities, whatever is in charge. Um, I wonder also. Go ahead. I was going to say, we have seen the immense amount of damage and harm a single individual can do in mm. the form of the Duke back in Dream Milan. Yeah. If there is some kind of inhuman entity, whether whether or not we would consider it has godlike powers in the Abrahamic sense, um, I, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some sort of being one could appeal to to cause catastrophic 
Oh. Also, if the Ibians fell from the stars to this lake, perhaps their god did not fall with them and they are alone here. But we will see if Koranos helps. I don't think that, I mean, that Sarnathians will listen to us. I mean, we could just present their offer and maybe if they don't want to be here, they're just, they're like, yeah, rubies and sapphires, no, no issue at all. I would agree with you about that, except for the apology part. And the giving back of the statue. Mm. Yeah. 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 There's negotiations here and there, you know, you maybe, maybe we could uh, finagle that they don't have to apologize or they have to word the apology in such a way that it's not insulting to both. Uh, they feel sorry that this uh, event occurred to both sides or something Something that you could... There's all kinds of uh, language to, that diplomats use to dance around to not humiliate their countries. Yeah, this is also true. Do we even know a diplomat on the train? I wonder if they have approached Mackenzie as well. You just have to be delicate with this situation. And I'm sure we will come to the right conclusion. Jusha says, well, I don't, I don't really understand these sort of things, but maybe you should find out what the Sarnathians say about the Ibians' demands. And as while we are gossiping about this, uh, you have become friendly with the very angry woman with the little heart-shaped bag. Madame Bonneval, yeah. What is she carrying that she won't throw off the bridge into the waters? Mm. Oh, I think that might, in fact, be what her intention is. Mm. Um, there's um, Where are you from, uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Roland? Uh, I, uh, I'm a, a Swiss originally, but I've been in America for some years. I've, I've been on tour throughout Europe in, in various places. And it seems to me that there is a story um, in Spain, I think in Granada when I was there, that I'd, I'd run across. Somebody was telling old stories. Maybe it was in a book. I just don't quite remember. But it had to do, it's, it's a famous story that, uh, that they tell uh, called, um, I'm trying to remember the translation into English, The Lover's Heart. Um, hence the heart book that she, I mean, the heart, heart box that she has. Apparently in the story, her, uh, the woman's daughter uh, got married to a man who had a tremendous amount of magical power. And uh, rather than remain faithful, uh, because he was much, much older, um, she decided to have an affair with a younger man. And when the old man found them, he killed them both. He tore out their hearts and burned them in a fire. And what he didn't count on was the mother who levied some sort of curse upon him. I, I'm barely remembering the story. It's something you might be able to find. Mm. Um, um, but I'm pretty sure it's Grenada and it's the lover's heart. It's a, it's a famous legend. 
anyways, it, her story is kind of like that. She, her daughter was lost to her, um, murdered by, I, she was very vague about it, but, uh, I think her pain is in that box and she's going to throw it into the, uh, into the abyss. She's probably tired of it. She's from the 1200s or 1300s oh. or something oh. like that. Oh, she's been carrying it a long time. It's made her very old and bitter and untrusting of men. I don't trust men very much either. Maybe that's why we're friends, but oh. I know how to manipulate men better than, uh, than she ever did. Ah. Well, I'm glad to see that you're uh, dancing again. You gave me a lot to think about. Maybe, maybe I'll stick around for a while, and and, and uh, maybe not. I, I don't know. I'll have to think about it. I've really carried this desire to be a dancer a long time, and my career has never really taken off. I'm a much better dancer in my dreams than I am in uh, in the real life. Hmm. Plus, I'm, you know, I've kind of ruined myself with drugs. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Uh, they, That's how I get here. Uh, through the uh, morphine? Opium. Opium. Mm-hmm. Uh, it will take its toll. But... Uh, don't don't give up don't give up the dreams. Sometimes they just need to be tamped tamp down a little. So shortly after all of this conversation happens, lunchtime is served um, in the dining room. Um, Henry announces it. Um, you go in and it's a very, very pleasant, very delicious, completely bizarre. Things that you've never heard of that are all just incredibly delicious. Um, and then uh, lunch ends. What would you all like to do? Let's go around the table again. Dr. Dorian. Um, I am going to go to my room and contemplate things and play the cello as well. It relaxes me. So okay. I'll play my cello. Uh, Dr. Thursby. Oh, doctor. Oh. I'm sorry, Theodore. <laughs> um, I'll, uh, you know, I haven't given the vert too much attention. I- I'm going to spend some time in my headquarters with the vert and put some okay. fun. Roland? I, I think I'll invite Neruda to come and see if we can get an audience with us on Athens and continue our dream law degree. Okay. Gunter? Uh, was uh, Maronmar? Uh, Maronmar. Maronmar was he at at lunch? Uh, he was at lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if he uh, after the meal, if he's still there, I'd like to go over there and uh, thank him again. And uh, fascinated by his story of being trapped here. Okay, yeah, he tells you a little bit about his story. How about you, Doctor Edison? I want to grab Teddy's attention and say, Teddy, if you're, if you don't have plans, if you're not too busy, I actually have something I'd like to show you in my cabin might uh, quite, quite fascinating and, and uh, intriguing. 
think you'll oh. find it uh, equally intriguing. Oh, certainly. I, I was going to to uh, work on the vert, but uh, yeah, this sounds. Let's go. Okay. All right. Um, let's let's start with that. That sounded intriguing. Uh, uh, Theodore and Doctor Edison go to Doctor Edison's room. Uh, so to? once we once we get there, I'll uh, I'll describe to uh, to Teddy the tapping sound that I heard, and I couldn't seem to locate it, but before it before it ended, mm-hmm. it seemed like it may have been coming from above, and I checked through this window and take a look here, and I want to show him how it seems like a very scalable wall with natural and it looks like plentiful handholds and footholds. That's is, is that still there or is that? Yes. I mean, that's more or less this, you know, it's, it's imagine it's a, uh, I, I say Moroccan, uh, you could call it, you know, like those Hindu temples that have all the little bric-a-brac all over them, oh. like the Taj Mahal. It's, uh, it, yeah, I mean, there would be no problem for you to actually grab a hold of things. I mean, it wouldn't be really easy, but oh, this, it's climbable. Oh, this is fascinating. And does it appear that there's an actual, like, uh, 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 platforms or, or places that destination for us to climb no through. not really i mean it's it's definitely the outside of a building hmm. there's probably ledges here and there but they're nothing more than ledges but we could conceivably climb this to get to the roof yeah you could climb it to get to the roof you could sit up there and watch the countryside go by sitting up on the roof hmm. i thought it might be interesting i i to be fair, I, I don't think this is something I would want to try alone, but if you are game for it, I, it could be interesting to check it out. I, I love the outdoors, climbing and hiking. It does look like an intriguing challenge. I have a feeling Mimi won't uh, let us fall to our deaths. So certainly, yeah. I, I, if you have want to throw an hour into this that sounds like a fun exercise all right so you get yourself into comfortable clothes so that you can climb out the window um you will have no difficulty i mean you might have difficulty but yes maybe will not let you fall to your death um uh and that's that's what you guys are doing uh dorian you said you were going to go to your room and practice your vert no, I am not. Oh. I am, I'm just relaxing and I am playing the cello. I am not focused ah. on that. I'm actually okay. one of the ones who, at the moment, doesn't want to partake in the vert too much, but okay. at the moment. So uh, you are in there playing your cello, which means also that Thursby and Dr. Edison, when you start to climb out, you can definitely hear cello music coming from a nearby window. Um. Is it Gunter? What did you? Uh, what were you going to do? I was just wondering. Is oh yeah. Was, was it good cello music? 
or was it was it well, distracting us and making us do a cello high? roll? Uh, well, I have, uh, let's hope. I have, it's a 50-50 chance because I have fifty in cello, so thirty-five out of fifty. So. Yeah, he was playing that. Uh huh, uh huh, uh Very famous cello piece. Good, good. Um, Playing me up and just going, oh, cello. Um, Gunter, <laughs> what are you up to? Uh, I go over and talk to uh, Mar- 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 and I, uh, I, I go. Uh, so uh, by being abandoned here, uh, what are your uh, hopes for the the? Future? Do you have some place that you live, or do you just travel on Mimi back and forth? I uh, I am often in Dilathleen because mm-hmm. that's one of the major shipping ports. Um, I don't honestly know. I have no solid purpose any longer, and I travel about. I'm still looking for my cat, but. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. Somehow we got separated along the way. I'm hoping to find her or him. I can't remember him, him or her. <laughs> it uh, somewhere along the journey. Um, but Mirna, his his conversation with you is just kind of, you know, he's not stilted in any way, but he's uh, he doesn't really express friendly in. Uh, the same way that we do. He answers your questions and asks you a few of them. Right. Uh, but uh, not, not much more than that. All right, Dr. Gabriel and, uh, and Roland, you were heading towards the Sarnathian run. Mm-hmm. I wonder if we should bring, uh, they seem like they would be easily flattered. Maybe Mimi can pick us some roadside flowers so that they even answer the door? Uh, I don't know if that will, uh, how much that would really help. Yeah. Gesture with the flowers, because we could just be two ugly people offering them ugly plants. They seem to be very particular. Except for their interesting interest in Dr. York, I think that they feel about us more or less the way we feel about the Ibians in terms of physical appeal. Uh, maybe a bottle of something intoxicating. I think, actually, if we can find a pool, of, if we can somehow bring a vessel of water so they all stare at their own reflections for the rest of eternity. Um, <laughs> then we can uh, it it brings stuff. up a question about the two of you. Which one of you has the, the, the better looks? I have appearance 60. Mm, you are as a better looking than I. 40. Straight average. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Um, so I assume you knock on their door. Yeah, I'm yep. gonna I'm gonna ask Mimi for a bottle of schnapps at least. Something oh, okay. it'll relax me. Something like schnapps. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So you knock on the door and uh just before you knock, you think you can hear giggling inside or you know, tittering. And when you knock, it goes suddenly silent. You think you can hear footsteps coming in your direction, but they're very soft, probably slippered, silk slippers. 
um, uh, the door opens and it's one of the males, one of the tall ones. And he looks at you and he says, what the devil do you want? Oh, well, we were just wanting to inform you of the Ibian's demands for the upcoming negotiations so you can prepare your response. They're going to inform us, the Ibians. Really, where's Dr. York? I, uh, I'm afraid uh, that his uh, failure to be interested in taking up your cause is constant. Uh, we are hoping that we can avoid bothering the king. Which one of you is the most uh, authoritative of the delegation? Do you have the hierarchy? I suppose I, suppose I am. No, neither of us really. But um, um, Jesus. Um, I, also, I brought this you title. Could... You probably haven't had this before. It's interesting. It tastes of an... Uh, a plant from our waking life, peppermint. It's pretty spicy. What should we do? He turns to the others. What should we do? Well, let them at least come inside the door. Come inside the door. Um, should we bring you something to sit on? That would be nice. There's a couple of chairs right over there. Uh, and he sort of goes back and uh, joins the others. And there is that moment where he's sort of like, I don't know, like this. And they're sort of, the women are giggling a little bit. And he says, all right, so fine. Let's, let's hear what the Ibians want from us. Well, I think what they want is really simple. And when you're gray and mighty people should have no problem in providing. They would like 10,000 rubies and 10,000 sapphires. Really? And yeah. he looks at the others and they all look at him and they suddenly start laughing. It's like, you, know, you might as well have asked us for, you know, the dirt from our feet. It's 10,000 rubies. It's so this comes the nothing. harder part of what they're asking for. That is not their only, only thing that they want. The sticking point is that they want their golden statue of their deity Bokrog returned. Are you out of your mind? I want the statue back. Are, uh, it's, it's, it's only the most wonderful festival of the year uh, when uh, annually we celebrate the conquering of their city. The, the statue sits uh, as, a, as a war monument, a, 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 a victory over these disgusting beings. There's a procession. The, the whole city comes out. Uh, the priests and the, the king, they go uh, to the statue and, and the height of the celebration, the king um, sodomizes the statue and they rub feces and urine all over it to indicate our, our tremendous triumph and our contempt for them. We won't give that back. That's, that's our favorite 
celebration every year. Yeah, it sounds like a real good time. They would also like a formal apology from your king for the invasion and the signing of a non-aggression pact. What 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 does that mean? I mean, our king's not going to go to their town and and apologize. Maybe a written something something written. I wonder though, why is it the best festival of the year when they are so small and weak and impotent and you are so mighty and beautiful and sophisticated? So what you beat them? It's like if I were to celebrate uh, killing uh, ten mosquitoes. It was a thousand years ago. It's it's ingrained in our culture. It's I'm sure you have such celebrations in your piteous world, but I mean, asking us to give that up, that's, I don't see how we could ever do that. It's as much our, our festival as it is. It hasn't been their statue for a thousand years. It's, yeah. Well, you know, time is funny in this place. Uh, I wonder if you can say the Ibians believe that you attacked them with no cause. Is there some historical reason that Sanath believes that it had the a reason to assault these people and take their golden idol? When a when a, a a vermin enters my living space, I kill it. Um, they're vermin. They're they're not worth the time of day. They uh, they are. They are sentient beings with a culture. Uh, even if so is my dog. Oh, they have dogs in Sarnath. Uh, interesting. I, I don't know. I mean... So the diamonds and rubies, easy, yes. The written apology, maybe. Uh, perhaps you can compromise and make a duplicate idol of Bokrug, and then we can leave the king out of this, and you can have peace. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. All of that will take a great deal of discussion amongst... I mean, you're involving the king. Uh, how, how am I going to say that the king will do these things? Um, what is I suppose if, I suppose if, if Kuranis orders it, then we'll have no choice. But I don't know about the statue. Maybe, maybe later, maybe in some future date, we could return it. But I don't it, know. It, that's even that there's room for compromises more than I expected. Uh, you, um, yeah. You 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 delivered your message now. We'll discuss it amongst ourselves and we'll get back to you. Much appreciated. And he sort of points and says, well, there's, there's the door. I hope, you are, I hope your conversations involve lots of pleasant giggling. Good day to At you. At that point, they've started their him. Can you believe? Can you believe what they're asking? Yeah. It's really rude. Right. Uh, I think I think uh, we've satisfied we'll satisfy Theodore by um, explaining all the Sarnathians' uh, reasoning behind their their genocidal warmongering. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think the Sarnath is doomed. One way, Bullcrug or no Bullcrug. These people are too smug to exist for very long. 
I would like a coffee. Again, we really, we really should have sprung for the for the bowl of water. I mean, yeah, maybe they don't even have mirrors in Sarnath. They don't know how lovely they all are. Probably have everything mirrors. <laughs> so you guys are going to go back to the lounge. Yeah. All right. So you head back towards the lounge. Let's see, Dorian, what were you doing? Playing the cello. Oh, that's right. You're playing the cello. Uh, so you're still playing the cello. Uh, Theodore and uh, Dr. Edison, you've climbed up onto the roof. Um, it's a little like, it reminds you of like going uh, into Europe and uh, going to one of the large cathedrals with a big dome on the top of it. And you know how you can find the little staircases that'll lead up to the dome and you can look down from up above. So you're even higher and the architecture of the place is beautiful. Like it's out of a dream. It's so fantastic and beautiful. Everything seems to be made out of like, uh, uh, like alabaster. It's all, all white and beautiful and striations in the stone and the wood and, um, it's mostly geometrical. There's not um, there's not flowers or birds or things carved into it like that. There's it's just very very uh, geometrical. Um, I'd like you both to do spot hiddens while you're up there. Okay. Oh darn it! Is this going to be close? No. Darn. Eleven shy. I'll spend the five luck to get it to a success. Okay. So as you're sort of scrambling around and you're, you're up there, uh, a couple things that you notice. Um, it's not perfect. Uh, there's definitely places in some of the bric-a-brac that look like they've been slightly damaged, um, uh, cut or sliced, or there's nicks, you know? And of course, you don't know how old this structure is. It could have been here for years and things wear a little bit, but it does seem strange that things would wear in the dreamlands in that manner. But you can definitely find places along, especially along the flatter area towards the top where there are, there are nicks and there are little bits that are chipped out and stuff like that. Does this so, structure seem separated from Mimi or part of yes, it? Yes, it, you'd say that it's on her back. Okay, okay. Yeah. There isn't by any chance maybe means to get near the windows of the Sarnathian delegation by any chance, would there? Well, I mean, you if you probably didn't take note, but definitely oh, yeah. one of the windows on the side would be theirs. Uh, and you you could climb down. I mean, you might be seen, but. Oh, yeah. I'm interested to maybe walk the length of this and see if there's anything of interest or any kind of evidence of, of anyone else being up here and okay. moving around, you know, some of the scratches and chips and things up here. I'm, I'm wondering if the tapping I heard was someone tinking and, and chipping away at, 
are they i don't know maybe someone is trying to break up some of this uh alabaster and use it for something i, I don't know but um i think we should maybe walk uh, back yeah. and forth a bit just to see if there's anything to be seen maybe through some of the dome windows or anything like that but yeah let's just kind of so uh, what you find scroll. what you find if you recall that mimi is composed of Mimi and her children. Uh, think of them like elephants. And these are the uh, platforms on the backs of the elephants. Uh, so you can walk from the length of the platform that you're on, which in this case is the sleeping car, we'll call it where the rooms are, uh, to either end. But then there's a gap between this one and the next one. Um, when you're inside, you don't seem to notice the bridge that goes from one to the next, to the next, to the next. In this case up here, you would have to do a good six foot leap to get to the roof of the other one. Um, Should we call for Mimi assistance? Uh, uh, I mean, do you want to do that? You're, you're exerting yourself. You guys can still get tired and. Yeah, let's first, let's first walk around and kind of give this this section of the car, this sleeping car, let's give it a good look and then uh, maybe head forward. And uh, yeah, I think we could make the jump, you know, kind of call out to Mimi if we are having troubles. Okay. Yeah. So um, walking around on this particular one, you you do find here and there little bits of damage, um, but it's so minor, you know. Yeah, like wear and tear damage, not bad. Yeah. Um, though, you know, when you're walking around inside of a building and you see a scuff or a nick on the wall and you have that sort of feeling like, how the hell did that scuff get there? You know, it makes almost no sense. That's kind of what you got here. It's like, well, how the hell did, and did it hit a bird while you were flying, you know, while it was flying forward or what could possibly have nicked it? Um, so you just don't know. Um, you jump forward to the next one, which you believe is the lounge car. And you don't see any evidence of any damage. Um, you look around for it. You, it's not. It's not exactly the same as the other one. They're they're all kind of unique in their own designs. Um, but this one seems to be in really good condition. I wonder if that train or the the. the children that particular child of mimi might have uh, been on a different train run maybe through heavy overgrowth that might have been smashing into it as it do an intelligence roll oh yeah. nice 11 i know that's a that's okay. something uh, mimi oh yeah, a mimi started as mimi and mimi produces these children and the children become part of the train. So it's reasonable to believe that parts of the train are older than other parts. Yeah, that totally makes sense. 
I, I wonder if someone is intentionally chiseling out pieces of that alabaster for reasons that we haven't discovered yet. That I mean, may have been the tapping of someone chiseling away at it. Could be. Actually, yeah, that would coincide with what you were saying. Did it sounded like tapping or chiseling? I thought so. It was like the consistent ongoing rapping and only lasted for less than a minute and then it was done. But yeah, there's something something odd is going on. So do, do an intelligence roll, Dr. York. My faculties have left me. Do, do, do the chips look fresh? I mean, are, are they are they, are they have old caked dirt in them and such? Or they they're they're very uniform in color as far as the material goes. So you don't really see the kind of oxidation wear that you would expect in the real world. Um, so the chips look the same as the substance itself so they're not darker they're not lighter okay they so could that, be fresh that indicates something new then because it hasn't had a chance to it didn't well, maybe not well like i say you don't see any evidence of any kind of oxidation so yeah. huh. um, they look uh, new but you you everything looks kind of new i don't know teddy i, I feel now that i may have led you on a some kind of strange wild goose chase this is while being able to climb up to the roof is interesting i'm embarrassed to say that i i'm i don't think there's actually anything nefarious going on up here oh not not to fret eddie look at the beautiful vistas we're getting this is quite exhilarating yes very nice very nice well I, I, I'm should, sitting here return. wondering. I'm sitting here wondering if you'll realize the best way to return, <laughs> which is just to run to the edge. <laughs> We're on. Have Mimi just grab you and pull you inside. <laughs> you like bungee jumping, tentacle bungee jumping. Um, Gunter, what are you up to? Um, I if. He was still there. I'm going to try and uh, ask him if uh, they have magic where he comes from or uh, spells. Marona Mer says magic is dangerous. Magic is the twisting, the, the deformation of the natural world. Um, it takes a toll not only on the person casting it, but uh, on the things around him. It's it's mentally and physically damaging. Yes, there are magic users, if you will. There are sorcerers and witches and things like that, but they are almost universally evil and damaged and dangerous. Yeah. Um, um Hopefully, you'll never meet one. Uh, sadly, I have. And I was just wondering if uh, trying to find a way to fight back or resist his magical attacks. He, um, he finds that fascinating. Um, tell me, what, what, what has, who is this? What, what has happened to you? 
Um, well, in our, our uh, waking world, we met a uh, a gentleman called the uh, he called himself the Duke, and he was after a uh, scroll of an old scroll. And when we got into a, we were both trying to purchase it, and when he lost out on it, he started like it felt like I was being choked but he wasn't touching me and then he got out a a rope of some kind and was able to disappear uh just in thin air I mean I'm able to distract people to get them to look where I want and then just simply walk behind a curtain but this is not what that was he was definitely just it's it's difficult to read his yellow eyes, but from the expression on his face, he looks, um, I don't know, concerned, terrified. He's like, did he did he gain some sort of hold over you or is he enslaved you or are you did you manage to stop him and get away? Uh, we did. We did stop him. And I don't. No, I, he has not enslaved me or ha, have a hold of hold of me. Uh, but we were able to stop him by tricking him. By if you, I, you deceived him. Yes. Oh my goodness! I don't know this duke or this person, but deceiving, deceiving a magic, a, a, a wizard, a, a, a sorcerer. Oh, you put yourself in such terrible danger. Terrible, terrible danger. Mm. Such yeah. a one will go out of his way to seek revenge and get what he wants. They don't they don't ever take no for an answer. Yeah. Oh, this uh this concerns me. Uh, we had hoped that we were out outpacing him as he seemed to imply that he was tied to a geographic area. I uh, I hope you succeed in avoiding him from now on. I I hope you are continue to be safe from him. Um, now, if you'll excuse me, I uh, I wish to rest. I understand. He gets up and he leaves. Uh, what are you going to do next? Hmm. I'm gonna sit there for a moment, and then I'm gonna get up and. Uh, Go in the direction that I saw Dr. Gabriel and Dr. Curse uh, go. Okay. So you'll probably meet them halfway down the corridor, them coming forward uh, to get a cup of coffee, as they said, and you going back towards them. Uh, the three of you, what would you like to do? You meet in the corridor. Right. Uh, I tell any, you, any luck? <laughs> oh blah. I I think what would you say, Nerd? I think it went a little bit better than I expected in that that's, they did not actually spit on us. That's true. Ah. I mean they actually I think they looked at us at least twice. They allowed us to sit down. Uh I imagine they have take tur- been taking turns pissing on the bottle of schnapps that I bought. They uh, they use the Ibian god uh, for an annual holiday of vile uh, description. Uh, 
but they did not uh, ignore us completely. Uh, the, I think part of the problem, yes, is that they don't actually have much authority. Huh. He sent uh, peons because they take nothing very seriously. They're so arrogant. It's odd that uh, their king would send uh, send negotiators without plenipotentiary powers. Yeah, I think I, I, if we do meet Coronos, I and and Henri is correct that he is a just ruler. I think it would be fairly simple to smack these arrogant Sonathians. Although I don't know anything that will get them to apologize in earnest. And they really like this holiday where they desecrate the the golden idol of Ubians. Yeah. Ugly business. Uh, espresso, you think? Yeah, I uh, I disturbed our our uh, friend friend with the wine. I was asking him about magic and told him that I had an encounter with a magic user and lied to that magic user and he seemed quite disturbed that and that that would have occurred and that i were in grave danger which i kind of thought but although i was hoping that we were outrunning him but yes this, this... about this time uh, theodore and dr edison have climbed back through their windows <laughs> and you can you can hear the three of them talking just outside your the dr edison's door <laughs> Quite exhilarating. Good, good for the lungs, for sure. I think I hear someone outside the door. There they are. Dorian's still playing his. uh, Yeah. Getting louder and louder and more violent. Quite successful, yeah. York, the uh, the Sarnathians seem to be holding out hope that you're going to bail them out with legal assistance. I think the Sarnathians are going to uh, have a very rude awakening uh, they, yeah, when the they, king gets here. They were definitely very rude when I met them. What Do you have any idea, uh, Dr. Kurz or Dr. Neruda, any idea of the power that uh, King Karanis has? I mean, is would his ruling be adhered to? Is there power behind that? Or is he more of a figurehead? uh, The the Sarnathians seem fairly upset that the king might force them to give the statue back. Yeah, he would seem to have some enforcement power. uh, I think actually the uh, twits that they are, they're a little nervous that maybe they will be in trouble with their king and the greater king and they're stuck in the middle uh, not having the fun weekend away that they were hoping for. Uh, yeah, but yeah, it seems he has some ability, as opposed to the deity of the Ibians, who, at least in the form of a golden idol, is heretofore less than effective. Although, again, there is a time problem. If it has been a thousand years for the Sarnathians and a week for the Ibians, perhaps the, their god has not even looked down upon this to see the indignities. I, it doesn't seem like the deity intervened at all in the initial conquests. Well, again, it's, it's something of Roland. 
pointed out earlier, the Ibians, by their own accounts, come from somewhere very far away. So we know. It so takes, I assume it you guys are all walking track. towards the the lounge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Light traffic right. takes time to arrive. So you arrive at the lounge. You get some coffees. You you sit and chit chat. Have any of you um, had any luck with your vert? No, I I haven't. I've uh, started working on it, but I can't. I think think one of my issues is I can't decide what shape would best represent my my pain. But Henry Henry is passing through the room, and uh, he simply offers. He says it uh, takes a great deal of concentration. Um, Try to free yourself from distraction. And uh, you'll be able to do it before we get there, I'm sure. I hope so. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Reed, uh, do you, at what uh, station do we expect uh, King Koranas to join the, the, the dream train? King Koranas will be getting on at... I have somewhat reluctantly accepted a mission from the Ibians to represent them when the hearing occurs. Uh, and Neruda and I uh, have described to the Sanathians what the Ibians wish. And as you might expect, they were dismissive. Kuranis will get on at Saranian. Is that before or after? after? No, wait. Uh, it's after. It's uh, actually he gets on at Sonanil, and and travels with you until you get to uh, Serathian, uh, which is the final uh, city. That's his city, one of his cities. Um, it's the celestial city, and after that, you go on to Noden's abyss. Hmm. Uh, does the train uh, travel also to Celepheus? No. Or is that not on the line? Celepheus uh, is on the other side of, of the dreamlands. Uh, so I don't have a route there yet. <laughs> is, is the, is the uh, Cernathian city, is that the settlement that was on the far side of the Lake uh, Minar from, from where the Ibian settled? Yes, that's correct. That's the one. Okay. Serathian is the last stop, but Sarnath is not Serathian. Right. Does the, train, does the train also go to Sarnath? No, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. The Ibians the and the Sarnathians boarded at the same station, but they traveled there. Yeah. It's probably the closest station to their lands. Hmm. So you have um, some food is set out for snacks. Of course, your snacks are all delicious fruits and, and things from uh, all over uh, the dreamlands. Um, you have coffee. Um, after you guys have snacked for a while, did you guys want to work on your vert? Yes. Uh, yeah, that was my original intent. Before. You want to return Why? to your rooms sure. and do your vert? Okay. 
so, uh, Doreen, you're already there. You've you finished here, but but it's given you concentration playing your your cello. So go ahead and do a vert roll with a bonus dice. Nope. Okay. Then uh, increase by one d10 your uh, your dream uh, dream abilities. Uh, Theodore. Uh, I'm sorry. Now, which one was it? It's the not the Dreamlands lore, dream, but it's Dreamcraft. It's the Dreamcraft. Okay. Dream, yeah. Or dreaming, isn't it? Also known as dreaming. Yeah, dreaming. Yeah. Got it. Ah, ninety-eight. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Nope. Broke it. You wake up, um, <laughs> Doctor Neruda. Oh, I failed. I got a fifty-four. Okay, Gunter. Uh, come on. No. <laughs> and Doctor Addison. I failed with 58. Okay. Um, so you guys have all returned to your rooms. Roland, you are intending to do the same thing. You step into your room. Uh, you cross over and you sit on your, your little desk and you pull out your thing of vert. Do a spot hidden for me. Forty-nine is a regular. Okay. You're sitting there for a moment, and there's a moment when you kind of think that something's a little wrong. And you you look around like, what is it? What's wrong? You've got a beautiful carpet in the in the 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 room that you're in, the, in the oriental carpet. Very beautiful, the pattern that's in it. The pattern though is wrong over there at the base of your at the base of your uh, bed, there is a large trunk that has blankets and stuff in it. And when you look over, there is a stain on the carpet next to the next to the um, the trunk. And you realize that there's a smear going up the side of the trunk, and it's red. Hmm. Uh, um, we'll take a Claw a, 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 a handkerchief out and rub the smear. It's blood, you think. Mm. It uh, goes right up to the edge where the trunk opens. Yeah. Uh, I, Henri? Um, he's not there immediately. He's probably, you can probably hear him coming down the hall. Yeah. All right. So open up the trunk. Do a sanity roll. Oh, just just barely. 57 for 60. Okay. Do a 1d4. Four. You yell out and step back because lying on the blanket inside of the trunk is the shredded body of Prince Nimbus, the cat. Oh! <gasps> It's blood everywhere. It's entrails hanging out. And that's where we will end tonight's episode. Sweet Nimbus. The little blue eyes, all glassy. 
Our players included Morgan Llewellyn, David Gassaway, Stuart Lively, Keith Craig, Josh Harwood, and John Hook, with yours truly as the Keeper of the Secrets. We have a Discord server where you can chat with our other members, you can set up private games, and you can learn the fine arts of gameplay and game mastering. We provide audio-only versions of our, of our shows, free for you to download from Podbean or iTunes. If you'd like to help support our show, please visit our Patreon account. Just a dollar to a month helps us a lot. Like, share, and subscribe to our channel, and punch the bell icon for updates on our latest shows. And leave us some comments. We enjoy reading them and answering any questions you might have. This is Tom Rayleigh, together with all the members of our gaming club, inviting you to journey with us once again into the darkness for another adventure into the universe of H.P. Lovecraft and the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. Until next time, good luck and good gaming. <laughs>